Hello and welcome to episode 29 of the Retro Anime Podcast. I'm your host Ian and as always I am joined by Lewis. Say hello, hello Lewis. Hello. How are we doing? Good, yes. This is actually take two, isn't it? It is. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we had to, uh, thankfully not got too far into it, um, but your uh, audacity Yes, my, uh, my audition decided to... Uh, crash out on me and then obstruct the file so that's great uh we'll go again we'll talk about a little bit about what we were talking about before this happened and then yeah get into the meat of it (laughs) so um we're kind of getting very close to christmas so uh we're in both in the festive spirit Mm, indeed yes i have a hot chocolate and we are living the dream yes hot chocolate it's definitely uh that time of year for hot chocolate hot chocolate with a little bit of bailey's belgian chocolate liqueur that's that's a new favorite in uh in the household at the moment so uh very very naughty but very very nice yeah i mean the, i was saying the the season around christmas where you can just kind of wake up and in your morning coffee sneak a little bit of liqueur in it it, it, it is what it is someone has to yeah <laughs> it is uh, it's definitely that time of year as the nights draw in you know it gets dark very early and well thankfully you've only got less than two weeks of that to go so uh before the nights start getting longer exactly. again Exactly. Like, uh, what are you going to do other yeah. than drink really you know <laughs> exactly exactly um right before we get into the main content of today uh a couple of things to talk about so i wanted to mention this uh so we're a bit a little bit late um mentioning this at the moment because uh you know what seems to be a fairly uh common story with us is we're recording a bit later than we wanted to really yeah, so yeah. um <laughs> it seems to be a recurring theme with being nothing if not not consistent yes exactly uh, so uh yeah consistently inconsistent um yeah. with our recording schedule but we've you know in september we passed five years um our fifth anniversary so again i just wanted to say a big thank you to everyone who continues to listen to us um in the last few months we've had a you know, some feedback and some comments from some new listeners who've, you know, messaged me and, you know, and, and said how much they enjoy the podcast. So massive thank you uh, for that. We've seen listenership grow steadily this year and, you know, still got that global audience. So uh, just yeah. a, a massive thank you again. Yeah, thanks for following us for, you know, this these many long years. So thank you for uh, following and, and sticking with our consistent inconsistency. So, yeah, uh, that's the point. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, so, <laughs> it's uh, the, family, the family tradition. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, like I say, um, yeah, massive thank you for, uh, for you know, continuing to stick with us. Um, so the second thing I want to talk about before uh, we get into today's content, um, and it's kind of... This is very timely, which is why I really, really want to talk about it today. So, mm. so yesterday, Netflix announced that they are cancelling the Cowboy Bebop live-action show. So, less than three weeks, or about three weeks after it started airing, you know, they've put the message out saying it's cancelled and not going to get a second series. So, yeah, um, you know, <laughs> it's, it's one the- of those things, isn't it? Yeah, I was, I was, I was saying, you know, before when we when we recorded this the first time, it's like it's almost like a rite of passage for to to elevate something that is widely understood to be, you know, one of the best in its fields, uh, to, to for it to get a live action adaptation and it for it for it to reinforce the fact that you can't just be you just can't beat the original, you know, it's yeah, this this yeah. product is bad, 
it, and that's that's true for like Avatar, you know. It's true yeah. for um, Dragon Ball. It's true for Ghost uh, in the Shell. Ghost yeah. in the Shell. You just you just cannot beat the original. And Cowboy Bebop now gets to stand in the clouds next to those giants. Yeah, and, yeah. and be like, oh, <laughs> same same rodeo, first time, huh? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, I know. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I'm a massive fan of the original TV series. I've seen it probably three or four times over the last 20 years. I went into this like with a really, really open mind. When I saw it was announced, I was just like, oh, you know, that's that's a tough one to sell because it's a really, it's beloved, but it's very good. You know, I think there's one yeah. or two kind of episodes which I'd almost call mediocre within it, you know, given the heights of how good you know, most of the episodes are in, you know, out of the 26 episodes. Yeah. You know, there's there's some really, really, really good episodes and, and sort of small arcs and all the rest of it in there. Mm. So I thought, well, that's a, you know, that's bold doing live action Cowboy Bebop. Um, yeah. But I thought, no, I'm going to go in with it completely open mind. Um, but, you know, <laughs> I have to admit, I thought it was, genuinely thought it was terrible. Um you know, I I thought I I haven't watched it all. I've got into the first few episodes, and you know, I I I just I'm not enjoying it. I just think it's not very good, and I'm struggling to you know to commit the rest of the time to watch it. I will watch the rest of it because I feel I owe it to to see it through. But you know, on that first handful of you know three episodes or whatever, it's just it's just not good. You know. Yeah, yeah. You said something like um, last time, which kind of stood out, which was. Animation works because it's animation. Yeah, you know, and it's like because you, 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 everything's so beautifully handcrafted in these original pieces, and you like, yeah. it, or everything is so well thought out because it takes a lot of time to do, and you you don't doubt the image yeah. that's put in front of you. You know, you, it's it, an artist's rendition of, you know, yeah, like in Ghost in the Shell. In Ghost in the Shell, you could look at like the Cyber City and like everything's so beautifully presented that you don't doubt the world that you're witnessing but when it starts translated into a 3d environment with you know the nuances of acting and you know the cgi and stuff like that it's very easy for it's not just for it to just not feel good to the eye but you can't really put your finger on it yeah yeah uh, that's right I, like like it's like something wrong in every scene <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly and you know that's why i really like animation and anime because that whole animated world just kind of works. You know, there isn't that necessarily kind of, uh, you know, falseness that when you see like a live action world in that. And I yeah, think... Yeah, yeah. And it's not and jarring, it's thing, you know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, you know, that... Because if you can draw it, then, you know, you can show it. Um, but it's that consistency in that world and it being all animated... Whereas, like, when you try and do live action and, like, some special effects, some work more on others and, you know... It's a much, much harder time recreating that world that's yeah. just been drawn, you know. It's, it's, it's yeah, it's it's hard to place those characters into something that's where the source material is so good and so understood. Yeah. That, yeah, it, it kind of just falls apart at the seams. It, it, it's, it's losing, you know, an uphill battle from the get-go just because it's it has to live up to that kind of stride yeah exactly exactly i mean i thought they you know i thought netflix were on a hide into nothing really um trying to do that 
I mean, I saw some comments after the first episode air, and then there was the you know the kind of flood on Twitter of of comments and on various forums that that I look at. Um, I mean, I saw one comment on Twitter that said it was like a um, fan created cosplay pastiche of the of the original show and I was just like yeah that's what it feels like it just feels like you know some some yeah. some, some you know, MCM well, cosplay BS yeah you know some well funded fans were like oh I really like uh, Cowboy Bebop I'd love to be Cowboy Bebop I'd love to be Cowboy Bebop that's me my name is Cowboy Bebop so yeah. you know and you know try to do it and um, I mean like, yeah like I say I just think it's terrible um, that's a shame isn't it you know which which is a shame, and and interestingly, you know, I mean, it's got its fans, you know, which it will have. Um, you know, some people that really like it. There's some people that are very kind of, well, I can take or leave it. I mean, then in the there seems to be the kind of majority of the discourse that's like, oh, no, it's just kind of bad. Um, yeah. Netflix have stated that it um, the viewership didn't give the return on the investment on it, and I think after the critical response to it. Yeah. It was yeah. bad. It was like it was never going to survive, was it? And you know, and I'd like, I'd love to see the viewer numbers for each episode because I imagine like one and two is probably quite high, and then as you go to like three and four, you can start to see that drop, steady drop off episode to episode, and then it probably flatlines for the last two or three. I'd imagine episodes. I, I, like, you know, I'd love to see that curve because it's probably there's a there's probably a, a break even or a cut off point where it's like. Now the average no. viewership or the over, the total number of people that have watched it is like yeah. too low. Yeah, yeah, it's like I will not be betrayed any further. No, no, um, exactly. So it's you know, I'd I'd probably rather sit through. I'd probably rather sit through episode upon episode of Shovelmation Isekais. Uh, then, <laughs> yeah, but like there has to be some sort of accreditation. Um, it must be in the top ten for the fastest cancelled shows. No, it's got it's got to have yeah. some sort of like you know, well done, good job. You like you've got a speed run world record for uh, going yeah, from the, yeah. <laughs> going from <laughs> maternity ward to the to the morgue. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. a shame. Yeah. I mean, it almost <laughs> almost feels like Netflix had their finger over the cancel button the moment it got launched. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, yeah, because I, I did, I, I mentioned this before, it's like, I didn't really see much hype around it, you know, and um, I feel like they put a lot of time and effort into marketing their sort of like, you know, big drops for each month and each season, uh, and they did a few trailers f- for it and mm. a few like kind of stings, but most of the stings and trailers kind of relied, kind of banked on the nostalgia of the bossa nova intro yes, and that kind yeah, of stuff definitely so it's yeah, like yeah it felt just disingenuous to to have any hype around stuff that we'd basically just we'd already seen um yeah it's it's a it's enough to get excited but nothing to write home about yeah yeah you know and like most anime adaptations um you know it's just kind of sunk in a you know yeah in, in amongst a load of you know criticism and um the anthropomorphic gelatinous yeah. monstrosity <laughs> that it needs to consume more live action adaptations in order to become something greater than ourselves. I wonder yeah. how many more we'll try. I actually, I kind of enjoy it, you know? Every time I hear that there's going to be some sort of celebrated anime or some celebrated piece of media recreated into live action, and you, yeah. you can't help but think, oh, <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> um, 
So you know, I'll 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 always hold the torch, waiting for the live action yeah. that's uh, that's yeah. truly upholds its uh, its predecessor. And there's you know, and when we get into today's content, there is actually a little bit of of that in in this as well. So um, mm. yeah, it's uh, yes. We um, and on the same that. topic, you know, I actually watched the Battle Angel live action movie yesterday, um, mm. which uh, I didn't see when it uh, was. Uh, doing its round at the cinema because it was actually moving house at the time. So um, I didn't get an opportunity to see it. So I finally watched it yesterday and I thought that was okay. Actually, it wasn't terrible. Um, I actually mm. did a reasonably good job of, of recreating that world. You know, we've reviewed the, the anime or the, the OVA in episode two or three, you know, probably, you know, a good four years ago now. And it's an OVA that I really, really liked. So it was interesting to, to see that. And I, I you know, I, I thought they did an all right job on that. I actually quite enjoyed it. There were, there were bits about it, you know, and some of the common failings when you, you see certain bits of the anime recreated in live action, you kind of like, Oh, that's like, it's never going to do justice to the original work of, you know, kind I of. I think, yeah, it never, yeah, like you say, it doesn't do it justice. Like, it, it doesn't do itself justice. Mm. Um, and that, it, it, it disappoints the medium. Like, it, it disappoints yeah. its predecessor. But it, it, at the same time, I feel like it does, uh, as a rite of passage, elevate the original content mm. much higher. Because it's like, well, you know, turns out that it's just not e- that easy to make something good. From something yeah. that's good. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah it's very like, much. Yeah, it's yeah, very true. Very in true. The eye of the original content. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 really difficult. So I think that's a a really a, a credit to the original copy. You know. Yeah, yeah. I think Battle Angel. Um, like I say, I did actually enjoy it. Yeah. Um, I think it's probably the best of the, of the live best. action ad- adaptations of anime that I've seen so far. Um, mm. So uh, yeah, I, I, I thought that was okay. I mean, we've still got Netflix's uh, Gundam coming as well. So you know, again, it's just like, yeah. Oh, is just... it going to be a Pacific Rim? Is it going to be? Yeah. Is it going to be? Mean, I... Uh, yeah. I mean, I think Pacific Rim kind of demonstrates that you can kind of. I, I like the first one. I really, really like. Um, yeah. And the second one feels a bit like a Bayformers film to me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I... So, but it's just like, no, Gundam it's, again, like, for me, there is so much really, really good animated Gundam. Mm. Like, I just I just don't know how you're going to do that in live action. I really don't. Mm. I think one of the problems with, um, you know, Pacific Rim and, and, and like the Western kind of uh, adaptation of, of kind of Mecha or, or just like big monster movies in general, it's like, why has everything got to center the story around a love interest or a love story? Yeah, yeah. And it's yeah. like, it's like, you know it, that it's always just like swatted around inside of anime. Yeah, you know, like yeah. these love interesting stories. It, it either comes from like some lecherous oaf who's the main character, or but it's 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 only ever like a a nod or not a nod or a nudge in a scene, and it's never the main part of the story. It's you know war yeah. or you know yeah. men with guns. And speaking yeah. of men with guns, City Hunter. <laughs> Nice segue into uh, our content for today. So, yeah, so we're going to talk about City Hunter. It's something I've mentioned a few times on previous podcasts. And, um, you know, I, just, I keep referring, it's, you know, it's this whole franchise kind of built around one, a single joke. 
Mm. And I know that, you know, you've never seen it before and, um, you know, it's quite a kind of beloved franchise. So I really um, wanted to kind of get into it and uh, and talk about it and kind of see what, what you thought about it. So um, before we get into kind of the reviews and what we're going to talk about, we'll um, I'll uh, talk a bit about the history of, of City Hunter. So City Hunter's history starts with the Cat's Eye manga by uh, Tsukasa Hojo, which ran from 1981 to 1985. Hojo then wrote the City Hunter manga, which ran from 1985 to 1991, and City Hunter was set in the same universe as Cat's Eye. Hojo would create another manga called Angel Heart in 2001, which would use the same characters as City Hunter, but it's kind of like a parallel story rather than a continuation of his original manga. Cat's Eye would get an anime adaptation by TMS, which shared in 1983, which... Kenji Kodoma directed the second season of, who would then go on to direct in the majority of the City Hunter anime. So the first series of City Hunter started airing in April 1987. Um, as I said, it was directed by Kenji Kodama and it was produced by Sunrise. It would continue for a further three TV series, four movies and three specials. The most recent offering being 2019 Shinjinku Private Eyes. It was released by ADV on DVD uh, through the mid-2000s, and now Discotech Media is releasing all of the franchise on Blu-ray, which is kind of why I wanted to talk about it, because, you know, Discotech are steadily releasing, so it's easily available um, in in nice-looking Blu-rays. So the story centres on Ryo Cyber, who runs a private detective agency based in Shinjuku, Tokyo, with his partner, Kaori Makimura, and this is kind of then the crux of the, the story. So Ryu is a really terrible, lecherous pervert who mm. is always going on about mokkori, um, which is basically means sex, you know, and he's always, you know, kind of looking up girl skirts and trying to peep on them in the shower and all the rest of it. And then you have Kaori, his partner, who's always having to kind of keep him on the straight and narrow. And that kind of forms the basis of of the whole franchise. Seiyu legend Akira Kamiya voiced Ryu, and he did this in series one of City Hunter while um, while voicing Kenshiro in the uh, second series of Fists of the North Star. So City Hunter, and uh, kind of ties in quite nice with what we talked about with uh, Cowboy Bebop, is that it's had quite a number of live-action adaptations as well. So there was a Hong Kong action film made in 1991 called Saviour of the Souls, um, which is based on City Hunter's characters, there was a 1993 Jackie Chan film and there was a 2019 French film called Nicky Larson and Cupid's Perfume. The names of the characters are based on the French dub names of the uh, French localization of the City Hunter anime. Plus there were Korean and Chinese TV series made in 2011 and 2014. So it's one of those things that, you know, it's quite well known, quite beloved and it's got a lot of live action adaptations so i've seen the jackie chan film but i saw that in the late 90s before i really knew what city hunter was and Mm. before i saw any of the anime um so i kind of got into and really learned about what city hunt was probably in the very very early 2000s um and then i saw the original tv series in the late 2000s and i've seen all of the movies and specials but i haven't seen um, all of the TV series, so it was a long time since I've I've seen it, um, the the Jackie Chan film because I saw it again probably about ten years ago, knowing having seen some of the anime, um, mm. and the one bit that always stands out is this bit where he 
I think like, he dresses up as the Street Fighter characters and he's dressed up as Chan Li fighting in in this bit. That's that's the bit that always sticks out in my mind. Um, I got you know I'm struggling to remember um, a lot of it, but I can't remember whether it's really a good adaptation or not. I think it was okay, but I think because I saw it and liked it before I knew what City Hunt was, I've got a slightly different perspective on it. If right. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think if I'd seen the anime first and then saw it, I might have a different view of it, having yeah. liked it as just a Jackie Chan film that I watched in the in the nineties. If you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Craig, my co-host on the Retro Mecha podcast, he's actually going to do a, a, a blog post that's going to kind of cover some of the visual stuff so you can kind of vis- you see the kind of visual aspects of um, of City Hunter as well. So today we're going to talk about the first three movies in the franchise and that is 357 Magnum, Bay City Wars and Million Dollar Conspiracy. So like with the reviews of the Doramon films um, we're kind of going to review them kind of individually and together because there's kind of lots of overlap in themes and stuff so um Mm. we'll cover them like that so i'll give a little bit of a, a kind of background of each film so 357 magnum the first film released in june 1989 um which was about halfway through the second tv series and then there is bay city wars and million dollar conspiracy were released in august 1990 as a double bill and it was about six months after the third TV series finished airing um so the 357 Magnum is like a you know a full kind of 90 minute film and then basically was a million dollar conspiracy were 45 minutes each so kind of like double episode length type thing mm. um all directed by Kenji Kodama all made by Sunrise um and these haven't been released by Discotech yet but uh, I think they've done the first two TV series on on Blu-ray, but you know it's all due to be released over the over the coming year. So um, you'll soon be able to uh, get your hands on them um, soon enough. I think it might all be on Retro Crush as well if you um, subscribe to that in the in the US. So we'll give the synopsis of all three films, and then we'll get into talking about it. So. 357 Magnum, when a young European pianist named Nina Schutenberg comes to Rio and Cowrie asking for help in finding her long-lost father, what starts out as a simple assignment quickly turns into a perilous mission to find a top-secret microchip involved in mercenaries, diplomatic agents and a mysterious spy named Colonel Helsin who, who has a few secrets of his own. Now Rio, Cowrie and company must find the microchip and discover why there are dangerous people chasing after Nina. And then for Bay City was... After General Gillian is removed from power in the Costaro Republic by the US for drug smuggling, he plans to seize a supercomputer that controls a large futuristic building development in Tokyo's Bay Area to take control of America's nuclear arsenal to get his revenge on the country. And then finally, the synopsis for Million Dollar Conspiracy. Ryu and Kaori take on the case of a beautiful blonde bombshell in need of protection. But when Numi Bozo informs Ryo that someone from Los Angeles has arrived in Shinjuku to kill Ryu, he suspects his new client. Then the CIA get involved, and then the web of deceit and backstabbing continues to grow. So, Lewis, so <laughs> we've talked a lot about kind of the background of City Hunter and, you know, the, the outlines of these films. So what did you think? I mean, as I said before, you know, fundamentally, it's, it's a franchise built on a single joke. What did you think of it? I liked it, you know. So it's, it's just one of those series that kind of is just fun. You know, there's a good amount of yeah. action. Um, I was like, I was 
focusing on kind of how the animation was was presented yeah. and like you know you can you can see uh there's a lot of love that's gone into it in a lot of, a lot of places it's just uh it's gratuitous and um very self-indulgent uh yeah. in the way it's yeah. uh presented and you know the, the focus that goes on you know the expressions in the characters faces namely yeah. Ryu, um because his face changes the most from like that goofy kind of lecherous kind of overzealous grin that takes over his whole face to yeah. the uh to the like serious detective mode for the snap of uh, someone's fingers where they're just like oh wait he's a genius apparently yeah uh, you know it's it's it is just like it's very self-indulgent um you know the part that made me go oh hello was when um they're in the shooting range and he goes to uh Imibozo's coffee bar and yeah, he's got yeah. the, he's got the shooting range in the basement um and when she's uh, you know spinning that uh gun around and kind of presenting it and stuff like that you can see how well crafted it all is yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, no, I really enjoyed it. It's like you know, it's just a, it's it is uh, it is what it is. It's kind of fun. Yeah, because I think what I was quite interested in was I think to a certain extent it relies on you having seen the TV show to a bit, and I think the the movie the yeah. three fifty seven Magnum movie maybe less so. Yeah, but the that's other a good two... one to start on because it's like it's, I guess it's the yeah. first. Yeah, that yeah, it does leave a lot to the imagination if you haven't seen the original. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think if you started with like Bay City Wars and Million Dollar Conspiracy, you'd be lost. I think that you'd be a bit lost because those yeah. two definitely rely on you having seen like the TV series and and because it does no like character development or establishing no, the world no. or anything. It, it just, just plays with personalities. Kind of yeah, like it just it like it it cherry picks you know this personality and then just put presents it to you and then the whole film is. Their, those personalities being them, themselves there's no growth ever it's yeah. just like a, it's just rinse and repeat and I said you know like it is one of those things where you're like I'm surprised this keeps working but it just doesn't get old because it's like no you can just no. have fun with explosions <laughs> you can have fun with like you know a really good action scenes uh, and you know the ridiculous shooting you know mechanics and all that like nonsense around the uh, you, know, you know the gun isn't a weapon it's a uh, it's a <laughs> It's not a weapon. It's not a device of killing. It's a device of self self protection and all these like deeper meaning things that the little nuggets of wisdom that Ryu has to share because he's just this lecherous yeah. You know, yeah. prick. But yeah, no, I, I kind of the especially like City Hunter three seven five. From the beginning, obviously, I was like, oh, okay, I didn't have really much trouble understanding the characters because of that, you know. Yeah. And like, it doesn't really leave a lot to the imagination. Anytime, anytime that it just needs to pick up the pace. Uh, one of the characters out of nowhere will just dispense some. Uh, <laughs> will just dispense yeah. this exposition, which carries the plot forward. And they've yeah. got. Like, there's no way they would have known this any other time, but they just dispense it so it can move on. and We can get to another shooting scene. Yeah. So yeah. like, it's yeah. just fun, you know. It's like ah, uh, if if that's the way we're gonna do the story development, then I don't really mind because you just have to take it as verbatim that they're detectives and they just know this yeah. stuff. Like that's, yeah. it. it's just, that's how it's presented. It's like, Oh yeah. By the way, I heard this story that, uh, you know, in the, what is the, in the last one where, uh, Umi Bozo bumps into her at the Kauri at the, at the, um, the supermarket. And then he's like, Oh, how are you Kauri? And she's like, there's this little bit of banner back and forth. And yeah. then he goes dead pan serious. He's like, by the way, someone from LA is here to kill Ryu. That's all I know. And then just walks off. <laughs> and then it's just like, oh, okay, so now they know. You know, there's no 
There's no yeah. like, uh, there's no espionage to it, really. It's just just presented in a way that gets itself yeah. to the next stage, and I think it works. Yeah, yeah, and you know, and, and that's why I think it's quite interesting. Like you know, these these three films, because like I say, the so the movie kind of feels like they wanted to do a, like a bit of a bigger budget city hunter story yeah you know they got mm. kind of like you know the 1900 you know, minutes of it yeah. um it kind of goes for all the city hunt emotions i think how they pick up the job the whole lecturous bit you know it goes through the the routine when um nina's at the house and rio goes through the whole you know the bit of constantly trying to spy on her you know constantly going through her underwear and and all the rest of it um you know and cowrie constantly smacking him about the head with a hundred ton hammers and hammer and all the rest of it and stringing him up so he can't, you know, attack Nina and, and all those kind of elements. Yeah. All the dynamics are really, are are established really early, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Like with the, Um, with the the detective, like lead detective and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, Like you're introduced to everyone early and you can see the power dynamics kind of immediately. So yeah, it works. Yeah. So, like I say, it doesn't really it doesn't rely so much on you having seen a TV series because it kind of does the first half hour of establishing the least, city yeah. hunter bit, um, but then it kind of gets into the into the action. I think because it's a film and it's kind of like a feature length story, it, I, I think it kind of has the room to pace a load of events better than like a than what you get in like a twenty minute or even episode. Um, even maybe even compared to the other two, I say it does that first half hour. Of establishing it, but it doesn't. It doesn't rush through it. Yeah, it. You know, all those kind of touchstone points of of City Hunter. You know, has the room and at the main story of Nina and you know Helsin. And I'm not going to give, you know, the the main sort of plot points away. You know, and, mm. and sort of spoil it. But um, I find it quite interesting because I think it, it. I find that it does that bit in the first half hour, and then. It's like we actually like almost the the creators and and Kenji Kadama was like I'm itching to do like a really really big full on action piece with City Hunter, yeah. um, and that feels like what the justification for this is because the assault sequence. Um, so there's this kind of so like on all of these, you know, there's this kind of Cold War element through it. Um, yeah, yeah. You know these kind of overtones and there's this sort of story between East and West uh, guerrilla, which basically is East and West Germany, because when this was made, the Cold War was still raging, you know, in the late, um, in 1987. Um, so it has this story that's kind of built on, on, on kind of what almost thought was happening in the world a little bit at the time. But fundamentally, it's, it's like this rescue mission um, of City Hunter and of uh, Ryu and um, Umibozo of attacking this mansion, which is like really, really good. You know, it's a really, really good full-on forty-minute action sequence. Um, you know, in, in the second half of this, which, which kind of feels like they just what they wanted to do. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> do you know what I, I mean, mean I, 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 yeah, and I don't blame them. It was no. fun. It was definitely a lot of fun, and like the nice kind of um, motif of like bringing the music back. Um, yeah, to kind of like yeah, they're storming the castle to the sound of her performance at the orchestra and her father's also playing the same tune in the private room uh and then all this like madness is going on and it does yeah. like it is really well you know you could tell where that's where the budget went <laughs> yeah yeah definitely yeah, yeah you like, can see it, where the, the money the, was the spending change, this definitely the change in the yeah. animation quality is so stark <laughs> yeah by, by yeah. the second half but yeah like i think i think you know that that 
that scene for me in the build it was like enough for me to be like i can't wait to watch the next two and see where that goes um because even if it was kind of just even if it was you know very like obvious every plot point is going to happen and stuff like that they still managed to throw you some curveballs that you just don't know how it could yeah, possibly yeah. get more ridiculous you know like where like he shoots the 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 part where oh yeah sorry i won't spoil it god damn <laughs> but like you know it, there's that those points where he's he's had the same run in with the same grunt like three times yeah, and yeah, it, like yeah. the grunt then still gets like it's like why has he got that in his basement <laughs> why, <laughs> why is there a room like that in the basement um it's just hilarious it's like uh it just it adds an, a final like punctuation mark to the culmination of the piece yeah um, yeah but yeah i thought the first one was definitely a lot of fun yeah, I mean it has some, it has some nice, slight story moments in it as well. Um, like Nina and Helsen's story, it's quite straightforward. I, yeah. I mean, it's not. I don't think it's very original, but I think it's done very well. You yeah, know, I, I think, think it's like the, a well portrayed like character interaction. Yeah, it's definitely the it's definitely the backbone of of what happens. You know, mm. and like and like you say, it's not very original, but at least it's like. At least it's uh, personable. Just, like you can, you, yeah. can, you can understand yeah. their dynamic a hundred percent. Like no doubt about it. Um, yeah. You, like that. That's the kind of like the centerpiece to everything else. Whereas, like, yeah, in general, a lot of it is just very weak. Yeah. Um, at least you don't doubt that, and I don't mind whatever it takes to get me to another slice of that action. I don't mind. Like they could, yeah. they could spin me another yarn. I don't care as long as it got, as long as it has that sort of like, oh, we're now in another action piece here. I yeah, whatever it yeah. takes to get to that part, I I don't mind. I, I feel yeah, like you know yeah. it's simple enough to keep you engaged, and you know it's nice. It's a nice wrap up as well. Yeah, um, yeah, like, definitely, definitely. Um, you know, there's some other nice moments in it as well. That there's a bit where Nina sees. Cowry looking at the moon and is reminded of her mother, which kind of annoys, you know, um, Cowry takes umbrage to. But it, again, it's just because it's a film and it's just got that space to do it. You know, it can do those yeah. moments really, really nicely. Yeah, it I definitely thought, doesn't. Um, it definitely doesn't have the same pacing issues that some of the others do. I mean, it, it no. has its own kind of pacing issue, but it, like it, it's not. It's mostly the bridge between the first and the second and third acts. Yeah, yeah, uh, uh, like and how that progresses, but like it does, it it does have more time to play with, and kind of I think it wraps up a lot better than the others do. Yeah, and, and uh, yeah, and absolutely. So getting into Bay City was, um, you know, it's then like very, very different, and these two very much feel like just double episodes, um, kind of. Yeah. So you get two double episode s- stories if you went to the cinema to see this, yeah. because like. Basically, Wars like dispenses with like Rio's lecherous behavior a bit altogether. So, you know that that whole build up with like the perving and and all the rest of it. Because to me, Basically, Wars just feels like Act Three of a story. Yeah, definitely, Pretty it definitely much. does, and it also like it also kind of pivots on the fact that it assumes you know all these dynamics as well. Yes, like, yeah, yeah, like it the, absolutely like, does. Yeah, um, because I think that the the driving kind of like inciting. Uh, incident that gets things moving forward is the sense that is is that Umi Bozo um, has you know kind of been stitched up right yeah it doesn't show you that unless I'm mistaken no it doesn't show you it only reveals it it only reveals it at the end yeah and it's like so because you so you don't know why he's on that mission and like it kind of I think it 
obviously I'm guessing in the um in the regular series she does that to him a lot. So yeah, so like you, you wouldn't you know you wouldn't blink twice if he was just doing his mission. Um, you know, pre- when presented basically wars. Yeah. But for someone yeah. who hasn't seen that and like, oh, oh, okay. You, I didn't really understand the building events of the story until the very end and the kind of like the hindsight yeah. look back. So yeah, that's like, that's, it's definitely not the one to get into and choose first. <laughs> no, because I mean, essentially, basically wars is just a series of action set pieces. Yeah, like definitely. cobbled, you know, sort of strung together by a, a story. But, but that's all it is. Like, right. Right from the outset, it is just literally a, a you know forty five minutes of you know six or seven action set pieces you know in sequence. Um, yeah. But it's I actually found this one quite amusing. There's there's I think there's some quite good comedy. I mean they're all they've all have their comedic elements, but this one I thought was um, was quite funny. Um, yeah, you know, there's there's a few bits you know like. At the very beginning, when Rio and Umibozo are trying to get the general's daughter, um, you know, Rio bites Umibozo and then scares him with a cat because Umibozo, who's, you know, if, if you're unfamiliar with City Hunter, is this massive, you know, ex special forces um, guy with a with a mohawk and stuff. Um, mm. And there's a bit where, like, when they're like, there's the assault on the the theme park in this um, this Bay Area development. Um, and, and Rio crashes his roller coaster, um, and then that bit we just talked about at the end—the reveal of of how Umibozo got stitched up um, by Seiko, who's this uh, cop who, yeah, who's like kind of part of the cat's eye, yeah. um, you know, original bit. It kind of got stitched up with that. I mean, and you know, and um, you know, Cowrie's like food, you know, obsession, you know, because she's always eating, and she has this massive stash of food under the table, which Rio finds and like, ah, oh, so. Because he's like, where is it? And it's like, ah, oh, there's this is where Cowrie was hiding. You know, yeah, there's yeah. a lot of things like that in it, which I thought, you know, really did genuinely make me laugh um, mm. and bring a smile to my face. So it's got, but I think that's it. It's just kind of like action and comedy. Yeah, <laughs> um, it is. It's it's kind of just, um, yeah, it is. I definitely say for me, is like for someone who's not watched the others, is definitely the weakest of the trio. Mm. Um, purely because it just leaves a little too much to the imagination if you've yeah, not got yeah. like prior knowledge it's just yeah uh, you, you're kind of like I'm, i felt like i was just playing catch up with the story and, and having to make a lot of assumptions so i wasn't yeah. that invested yeah i, uh, I agree yeah, I with that i definitely think re-watching it would be a better experience because the mm. the action in it is really great you know and the the, yeah. the whole like it does feel like a full you know when they when they're going through the the runs of it and it's like you know that all all these action pieces take place in a different part of the building you do feel yeah, the scale yeah. you know yeah. there's one thing they really do well and that's like pitch the scale of things to you it's not like yeah, yeah. it's not like they go from one thing to the next like really really quickly like it's like the whole it's like die hard you know the whole thing yeah, takes place yeah, in that building yeah. and you get a sense of like the weight of that um, yeah definitely yeah so yeah i think that you know that's what it does really well uh for me in the second one but yeah it's definitely the weakest of the trio for for a kind of yeah. someone who doesn't know the world yeah I, mean, I i agree with that and then going into million dollar conspiracy i think it's the strongest of the the three that we're reviewing today i think yeah like million dollar conspiracy i think has the right balance of kind of like all the key city hunter features um you know and the, the elements that make up city hunter but at the same time being a very well-paced 45 minutes. I feel like this, they kind of figured 
at this point they kind of figured out how to do a feature length or an extended city yeah, hunter kind of, yeah. story sort of thing um because what I liked about this is that it kind of has those kind of key elements. So when Emily, who's this blonde American that comes looking for Rio and Cowrie to take on the job, um, you know, and there's a little bit of him kind of perving on, on her and, you know, Cowrie smacking about with a mallet and then Emily getting her mallet, you know, to fend off Rio herself sort of thing. It, it kind of builds on that. And there's this bit, you see the city hunter where he, you know, kind of spots this callus on her thumb where he knows that she's been doing lots of target practice and, and all the rest of it. So how it does all those kind of bits where you, you see the goofy, lecherous Rio, but then you see the city hunter, you know... Yeah, like the man, you know, the man in action sort of thing. The, the man in action bit. The way it yeah. builds that up through that kind of first sort of 20 minutes, I think is, is really, really good. And I actually think this has the best story of the three as well. So... You know, there's just double crossing of double crossing of double crossing yeah. through this story, and it yeah. kind of backs and forths. So I think is absolutely brilliant. Um, yeah, it, it, it felt very much more James Bond to me this one. Mm, definitely, than, uh, very much so. Focused, yeah. you know, it was. Uh, yeah, it felt. Uh, yeah, it did feel like a kind of because you've got that. You've got this. You you think that she's the one coming for the thing, but she's actually like there to protect the target. Yeah, um, and it's just like there's a lot. There's lots of like twists and turns that are just like they're fun. They're, they're kind of stupid, but they're fun. Um, yeah, and then you've got the guy who's like this, like insane assassin, like mad into gadgets, creating the most yeah, like, yeah. St- stupid sort of um, weapons of uh, weapons of war. And it's, it's just like yeah, like it, it like it introduces characters and uh, they're actually kind of you know pretty well fleshed out considering it's a 45 minute piece so I, yeah I definitely yeah would agree the structure and the pacing of this one's a lot better than the other two yeah and, um, and you know and, and like that you've got dick who's like the cia you know commander or whatever you know he's kind yeah. of manipulating the whole situation and you know building on the you know what you said about james bond there you, you know he uses this jetpack to try and escape which you know goes back to one of the um sean connery films i can't remember which one it is but you know, there's there's that. So there, there are all those elements in it. Um, and I'll say that, that back and forth and that double crossing. I, and it never feels rushed, which is what I quite like as well. Even though it is only 45 minutes, it never feels like it it rushes through everything. It just It's just really, really well paced. Um, and so this assassin, Douglas, um, one of the things I quite liked about it, he's, um, you know, he's obsessed with these um, Tamiya model kits and radio control cars, which, you know... And he's turning them into weapons as well. Into weapons, you know, and I quite like that because I used to, I, you know, I got into I used radio to turn them into control. Weapons. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I got into radio control cars when I was about eleven. You know, my the first cars I had were Tamiya cars, and then I had Kyosho Optimas. Um, you know, and I built Tamiya tanks and stuff. You know, the kits were were fantastic. So that was like quite a nice touch because we actually went to um, Tamiya's yeah, I was about to headquarters say. in. Uh, in Tokyo. In, uh, in Tokyo didn't we yeah. so um you know which was was on my list so that was you know all that kind of stuff I quite liked you know that was there was a bit of a nostalgia element you know sort of personal touch to that which I, I, I quite liked um but you know the other thing I quite like about this you know at the end he, he gets all the money and he has to give it all up for all the destruction he's caused you know it's I don't know yeah I just I just think it played out really well it just had the right laughs it had the right action it had yeah. the right city hunter elements to it um, you know the the two shorter ones. Um, you know, again, fundamentally have Cold War stories to it. 
Um, if you look at what was happening in Bay City Wars, General Gillian, that's kind of like what was happening in America with what was the CIA operations on, you know, some of the Central America countries, you know, like Nicaragua mm. and that kind of thing. So, you know, which were all kind of proxy Cold War Thing. Right. So, you know, it's got that kind of bit of it. And again, million dollar conspiracy, the whole CIA, the Yuri thing, you know, the, the double agents of double agents. Um, that was a very real thing that happened with, you know, the Cold War intelligence yeah. and espionage thing. So I do find it quite interesting. All these these three do have that core Cold War things because we've talked about it a lot on this podcast that a lot of that stuff through the 80s, you know, fundamental, you could you could see that kind of cold war paranoia that ran through anime mm. um in, in a lot of stuff so um the other thing i quite liked as well which i, I thought was quite a nice it's kind of sunrise touch is um through all three of them rio gets like an idea or realizes or notices something and they use the new type sound from gundam so oh yeah yeah so in in gundam where um like amaru or one of the new types it has a new type moment and and senses something. Oh. There's this particular little twinkle oh, sound. Oh, you, you mean the the kind of kind of thing? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. yeah, yeah. They use that in all three films as well, and I was just like, ah, oh, yeah, nice little. And that, that that's a little sunrise thing, I think. So uh, yeah, that's cool. Nice yeah. So nice. I thought that was that was quite cool. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. The other thing as well, I mean, you know, I think if you kind of look at the production, you can see the film very much was a film. You know, it was designed to be almost yeah. a standalone feature because, you know, it's got very cinematic opening and ending. It it looks different. It's got it's very kind piece. of, yeah, it is. you know, yeah. very much, uh, you know, a very polished look to the animation. And as you say, in the second half, when they really spent the money on that action sequence, you know, it has that very yeah. slick, you know. Yeah, it does. It does build up. Um, it does have the you know, a really standard three act structure, really. Mm. So, but yeah, well, the other ones just feel like a, uh, like just short OVAs, you know. The, yeah, you know, and they, the the animation quality feels a bit like slightly better, but it feels almost like the TV animation, but just slightly more polished. Mm. You know, it's definitely not like the movie. Um, so you can definitely see that difference in it. Yeah. Um, between the three, but I think overall, I think you know, if you wanted to kind of dip into City Hunter. Um, you know, and you weren't you weren't sure about watching, you know, a couple of fifty episode TV series. I think mm-hmm. you could watch these and uh, watch these, and you would get a really good feel of what City Hunters about. Yeah. Um, you know, and then make you know decide whether you want to go and and, and watch all the TV series. Mm. Yeah, I, I, I'd agree. Do you want to do ratings? Yes, I think yeah. so. For me, I, I'm I'm kind of like. I think I'm kind of at just about an eight for 357 Magnum. I'm at a seven for Bay City Wars. And then I'm at like a a definite strong eight for um, Million Dollar Conspiracy. I think that's where I am. Yeah, I really enjoyed the movie. Uh, I'd give it an 8.5 just because it's just a lot of fun. Um, Yeah. And it is exactly what you'd expect it to be. And it does it pitches itself well in the first like 15 minutes and then it executes yeah. on it pretty well for the rest of it so uh, it's it's really fun so 8.5 for the first one uh i would say yeah uh like definitely a 7 out of 10 um i think giving it a 6 is probably too harsh the yeah. second one it's just not as good as the other two by a noticeable margin in my opinion but mm-hmm. mostly because i also don't have any affinity to the original series so 7 out of 10 is a fair score um and then i would give yeah the last one i'd probably give an eight out of ten because it's got just as many 
twists and turns as the the feature length movie, but without kind of the the extra, you know, hour yeah uh, yeah hour digestion and to to space it out. So it does really well with the time it's got. So yeah uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, million dollar conspiracy. I think is just really punchy. Yeah, I think it, it just does. It just encapsulates like everything kind of really, really well. Yeah, I mean, it's not mind blowing. It's no, you know, it's. I mean, at this point, and there's lots it's of other the stuff about one. Yeah, but it's yeah. just it's just a lot of good fun. I mean, and that you know, I think they're all really good fun. Um, yeah, and you know, they're, they're they're all really entertaining. Yeah, the middle one because it is just an action forty five minutes of action. It. As much as it's entertaining, it doesn't capture the kind of all of the essence of City Hunter, right? Which is you know, which I think, you know, it doesn't quite have the all the mockery, um, mm, you know, and all that yeah. kind of stuff. It's so it's it, it kind of misses a few City Hunter bits in that, but it is just a you know a City Hunter action film kind of thing. It does do. I think it's. It, I think that the base City Wars one is is probably the the best at delivering a sense of scale. Yes. Um, yeah. As much as like you know, the, the story is kind of like meh. It's okay. It's it's it is you know pretty straightforward yeah. and you know everything's more or less understandable. Yeah, uh, yeah, definitely. But what it does do really really well is the world building because it, everything takes mm. place within you know the bay bay area. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, you know the journey between spaces in the theme park and the hotel and everything in between to the pier and stuff like that. That it does feel. You know, grand there's like a yeah, lot of definitely. like a lot of weight yeah, to it so yeah. I, I, I really like it yeah, yeah which is why you know it's i i can't give it below a seven because it you know it, yeah yeah it you know it does a lot of things very well it just i think it just kind of just misses some of the city hunter stuff where as i said you know million dollar conspiracy you know just just kind of gets it all right i think um mm. and whereas 357 magnum you know it was nice to see a really polished you know, proper feature length film um, and have the space to do some real story development, which I think it did quite well. Um, yeah. The fact that it's kind of twice as long as, you know, Million Dollar Conspiracies, where it, I, I think it, you know, it just isn't, uh, yeah, I'm going to use the word again. It just isn't as punchy as... No, as, but uh, I, I, I do appreciate but, but, it as like, as, as a well-wrapped product. I think. Yeah, no, I completely um, agree. And, I, you know, I think it is, you know, I did really enjoy it and it was really nice kind of seeing City Hunter sort of done up as a, you know, as a really as a polished, story, yeah. proper feature film. So, you know, I really enjoyed seeing it like that, you know, rather than uh, than, than just a 20-minute episode or a, you know, 45-minute thing. So, yeah, mm. definitely um, enjoyed yeah. it on that. So um, so we did have a question. So our friend, Professor Irony, at Professor Irony, Alan, he said, I'd be interested if you guys have any thoughts on why City Hunter didn't seem to catch on when it was first released in English, if it's indeed fair to say that. To the best of my knowledge, ADV put the whole thing out on DVD in the US and even released a few of the films over here, but it's only this time round with Discotech releasing it that I really see anyone talking about it. So, because I think when ADV released it, I think they released initially some of it, I think got dubbed and then a load of the films and OVAs were just sub only, which... I think potentially could have harmed it at that time. I don't know. I mean, it's a really good question. I think yeah. Discotech have just done a better job of marketing it. And I think the fact that the new film, um, Sinjinku Private Eyes came out as well at that time, I think there was just probably a lot of, in general, anime news stories and all the rest of it. Um, it was quite a big deal. You know, there was a lot of publicity about it and a lot of people, that old fans talking about it. So I think that, 
maybe really helped it. I mean, when did it release uh, originally? What, when ADV put it out? Yeah, yeah. It was in like the mid-2000s, so I think they probably started it, releasing it 2004-ish, something like that. Well, that's pretty late like, on, you know? It might, yeah. obviously, like, just in terms of like, you know, the, the original first DVD releases, that feels like, yeah, that feels late to me. I mean, it was in that kind of, before the, the big crash came in 2008, it was in that boom when, like, everything was Still getting everything released. Was getting, yeah. And yeah, maybe it just got lost in everything else that was being released at the time, you know. Yeah. Maybe there just wasn't the publicity for it. Um, you know, unless you kind of knew a bit about old anime and stuff, and Sunrise's back catalogue, maybe you wouldn't have known what City Hunter was. Um, yeah. Was it, was it, I mean, is it, would we consider it obscure? I mean, I wouldn't think so. No. Um, no. I, 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 you know, I think it's an action sequence. I think, given you know, it might have. Um, yeah, it's a little bit too good to be obscure. You know, it might be a bit sort of kind of lurid in places, but mm. um, I don't think it was obscure. It was a big franchise. I mean, it's got all those TV series and films and stuff, which yeah, you know, which is why ADV put it all out there because I thought they yeah. probably thought it was going to be a big hit. But I, I mean, I'd, probably, you know, I, I'd say like it, these films are. Even though, like, even by Japanese standards, you know, the storytelling is a little bit off the cuff. Yeah. Um, some things just don't translate very well. Um, I don't, I yeah, think, I, I think, I think there's... This, this still suffers from, you know, that, that age-old problem of you know, Japanese storytelling. And it's mm. that, like, it things take a while to get to the point. Yeah. Uh, you know, and it's like... And also, just some things, like, uh, culturally don't translate very well. You know? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But I, 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 mean, I, think, I, I, I'd only be able to hazard a guess because I, mean, you know, I was, God, how old was I when that released? I would have been eleven. Only, yeah, uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I was obsessed yeah. with Pokemon cards. That's all yeah, I can tell exactly. you. <laughs> I mean, I think maybe the premise might have been put people off a bit at the time. Yeah, I'd say might have just got lost Behavior. in everything else that was being released. Maybe just didn't get enough publicity. I think Shinjuku Private Eyes has definitely helped, and Discotech their you know social media and, and and maybe that's a bit of it i mean that didn't really exist at all yeah. back then um, yeah, it's hard you as know, and, yeah and and you know the way discotech have really publicized it you know really advertised it really kind of got people talking about it i think they've just done a really good job of raising awareness of it which maybe adv just didn't do a very good job of at the time mm. um it just kind of limped out into the market you know, 15, 16 years ago. And, and here it's, you know, Discotech have really kind of put it out with a bang sort of thing. So uh, I think that's definitely definitely had an impact. But yeah, it's a, it's a great question. And again, I'd, I'd love to know what our listeners think of that as well, if, they, if they've got their own yeah, thoughts. Yeah, if you've on, got the um, facts and, and, and not the speculatives, then give us the, the straight facts. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, if someone's better informed, then, then please do tell us. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Nice. Well, cool. What, uh, what's coming up next? Right. So, for our next episode, uh, we're going to do a couple of slice of life comedy dramas, and we are going to review Toei and Yagama's Family Affairs. A couple of eighties OVAs, you know, I say slice of life type stuff. So, uh, something a bit different again. So, uh, these are quite interesting news. Again, so yeah, slice of the, life, um, interesting. And I think very, I don't want to say too much now, but I think very much again, kind of of their time. Um, so right. it'd be interesting to see what you think, kind of thirty odd years on from uh, 
from when they released. So, uh, so again, just a little announcement ahead of something for next year. Um, we will be guesting on the Collateral Cinema podcast next year because um, they're going to review the Cowboy Bebop movie um, again, which is kind of quite, <laughs> you know, ties in quite nicely with what we talked about today. So um, that's at some point at the start of next year. So we'll put it out when we've uh, when that episode's um, put out. Quite interested to talk to those guys. It's it's an interesting podcast. They uh, sound like quite interesting guys listening to them. So I'm I'm quite looking forward to us. Yeah, to them. it'd be nice to kind of, you know, after five years of our first collab. Yeah, <laughs> We've had a few planned, game. but they've never come to fruition. Yeah, yeah, this one I think definitely uh, will come to fruition. So um, yeah. I know uh, Bo and Robert are, are looking forward to talking to us on that. So uh, Yes, that's great. So where to find us? You can find us on Twitter at RetroAnime. You can find us on most podcast hosting services, SoundCloud, Spotify, iTunes, Overcast, all those places. Just search for Retro Anime Podcast. Uh, like, subscribe, leave us a review. All helps. You can find me on the Anime UK News Forums. My username is Organ. Please check out my companion Mecha Podcast, Retro Mecha Podcast. Find it. On all the same places you find this podcast, to so search for Retro Mecha Podcast. And that does indeed bring us to the end of the episode, Lewis. Yes, indeed it does. Well, thank you so much for tuning in, everyone. And we'll see you for a nice slice of life next time. Yes. Until next time, Lewis. See you then. Bye. Bye, everybody. The opening and closing music of the podcast is the opening theme to Brave of the Sun Firebird, copyright to Sunrise Studios. All other music used within the podcast is copyright to its respective creator.